straight away to Tamara uh, Rifai, who's uh, the spokesperson for UNRWA, who, of course, are working there on the ground in Gaza. Thank you so much for being here on the programme. And the Secretary-General referencing uh, the amount of your staff uh, that are being lost in this conflict, and those numbers continue to go up, 35 now in total. Yes, uh, the Secretary General set the bar, I think, for where we all stand as humanitarians with a very, very urgent call for a humanitarian ceasefire and for the application of international humanitarian law. That is particularly relevant to my colleagues at UNRWA. The fact that UNRWA, the largest UN agency in Gaza, has already lost 35 staff members, women and men, doctors, engineers, nurses, you name it. It is devastating, it is shocking, and it is appalling. So we stand behind the UN Secretary General's call for respect for all civilians, those who have nothing to do with this conflict, including aid workers, including my own colleagues at UNRWA. Now, your agency spoke to the BBC only a couple of hours ago, issued a warning today about how much longer you can keep going. Uh, what are you saying? Be very clear about what that warning is. The warning is if we do not get more fuel into Gaza, we as UNRWA, the largest aid agency in Gaza, will not be able to carry out any humanitarian operations. And that is because we need the fuels for our trucks. That, uh, that whole conversation about convoys coming in from Rafah, we need fuel so that our trucks can pick up that aid. We need fuel for our water desalination plant so that people can have access to clean water. Hospitals need fuel for life-saving machines without which people can die. So fuel is a top urgency. My colleagues in Gaza have confirmed that we have enough fuel for about two to three days. After that, we will not be able to work. Neither will the bakeries that need fuel for electricity. Neither will the water salination plant or the life-saving machines in hospitals. Just, just be very clear, because one of your colleagues said you had enough fuel to last till tomorrow night. Is that what you're saying? And also, just tell me the consequences. If you get no more fuel, the consequences if you have to halt operations. If we get no fuel, we cannot work and people can die. People can die because there will no longer be electricity in hospitals for life-saving machines. People will no longer have access to bread. That is almost the only thing people are eating now. And that is because UNRWA and the World Food Programme have been distributing wheat flour to bakeries. In those bakeries, in order to make bread, we need electricity and water for the wheat. The water, we get it through a water desalination plant that works through a generator that is powered with the fuel. So if we don't get the fuel, there's no water, there is no baking bakery, and there is no machines in hospitals, and there will be no trucks to pick up the humanitarian supplies from the borders. 
Let me put to you what Israel, their army spokesman, has said, that Hamas is stockpiling fuel. Can you understand the reasons why fuel is not being allowed in to you and others that, that are being actually given and articulated? No, I cannot understand it as a representative of a humanitarian agency. We are not responsible for what a party at war is doing. We are responsible for enabling our own humanitarian operations. And therefore, it is not okay to not allow the UN and the larger humanitarian community to have access to something as basic as fuel for our cars. So, so tell me what conditions are like in the UN hospitals, in the UN schools, which are being used as shelters, and which parts of the Gaza Strip are currently where aid is needed the most, the north or the south? Aid is needed everywhere. People are displaced everywhere. There was a huge wave of displacement about a week ago from the north of the Strip to the south of the Strip. So there is overcrowding in UNRWA shelters in the south of the Strip. Up to 600,000 people are now living in around 150 UNRWA schools. For a bit of visuals, these are regular schools. And all of a sudden, Two, three, four thousand people live day and night in these schools with very little access to water, living in very unsanitary conditions. A few hundred people sharing one toilet, very little water for showering, very little food. So the conditions are extremely dire. The UN Secretary General said it, they're, they're growing more dire by the hour. Over the last week or 10 days, your agency has made multiple warnings, exactly as you are doing today. In terms of people listening, what is your sense of it? Is there frustration? Do you think that anyone is actually listening to any of these warnings? There's a lot of frustration about having to negotiate for two weeks for very small restricted convoys of much needed humanitarian supplies to go in. We can choose to hail the breakthrough to celebrate the break the breakthrough and the entry of 20 trucks on the first day three days ago to gaza and then 14 and then another 20. we can also go back and say to the international community and those who have influence and say before this conflict up to 500 trucks went into gaza every day loaded with supplies a hundred of these trucks were humanitarian assistance 45 of these trucks every yep. day were loaded with fuel. I've only got 30 seconds left, so really briefly, if you could, can you imagine what it is going to be like on the ground if you have to halt your operations and if there is a ground offensive? Less than 30 seconds. It is going to be hell on earth. Well, Tamara... Thank you so much for joining us here on BBC News uh, with that assessment uh, and responding to what we just heard from the UN Secretary General as that meeting convenes uh, in New York.